0: Welcome to the old-school meeting of Overeaters Anonymous, which features speakers with long-term abstinence. This meeting was born online, and it's going to stay that way. That means you can attend live on Tuesday evenings at 630 Pacific if you'd like to. Go to the Los Angeles Intergroup's webpage at oalaig.org for login information. And now, our speaker. I'm Susan, I'm a compulsive overeater. And uh, thank you, Laura, for asking me to come and share tonight. I can't believe this is uh, such a big meeting and I did not know about it, but um, I like the title of it, Old School, because I guess that's what I am, (laughs) I'm old. Um, I have uh, 35 years of abstinence. And what I wanna say to the newcomers, and I'll I'll be talking a lot to you, tonight. Um, so you kind of understand what's going on and what's going on with me. Um, and everything that I say is my own experience and my own opinion. So it's not that of Overeaters Anonymous totally, but, um, I want to tell you what it was like and what happened and what my life is like now. So, um, let me just say this, get this out of the way first. I was in a car accident today. It was all, I was in a car accident by myself. Um, I misjudged, I made, I misjudged uh, something and I drove into my garage. And apparently it sounded like a bomb went off in the neighborhood. Um, So I, uh, yes, I did that. And I, uh, with, with that, the front end of my car is now at the body shop. So I was thinking, oh, God, I have to speak at this meeting tonight. And what am I going to talk about? Um, And now that I'm here, I feel so comfortable. And so uh, it's like you guys are, you know, wrapping me in a warm blanket. That's really how I feel, even though I can't see many of you. Um, So uh, I want to thank everybody for, for coming tonight. So what I was like, well, I think, I think I was always a compulsive overeater. I am not sure, but I can tell you that my first memory of compulsive eating was when I was four years old. And, um, I can tell you everything about what happened that night. Exactly. Um, how the obsession started. Um, and then, uh, a couple of years later, I got—I started getting made fun of through my size. Whew. You know, it's so crazy that I think it started when I was six. And when my son turned six, I looked at him. I looked at this little kid and I thought, how could he possibly hate himself the way I started hating myself when I was six? Because I looked around and nobody looked like me you know, um, and, uh, and it was horrible. And I hated myself. And I was put on my first diet when I was 10. Um, It was my mother's diet. And um, from then on, every day that I woke up, I was on a diet. Um, And it was different diets all the time. Um, As I got older, uh, and started reading all the magazines about dieting, um, uh, I tried different diets. My favorite one was, uh, it was called then the Atkins diet today. I think it's called the keto diet and, uh, you could eat whatever you wanted of a certain food, a certain kind of food. And I like that because it was quantity because I am a quantity eater. I, um, eat a lot. I ate a lot. And, um, and so I like that, but then, of course, I'm a compulsive eater. I want what I can have. I started uh, um, wanting to eat celery. <laughs> I started, you know, like thinking, "Oh, I need some celery. I need some vegetables, whatever." But um, that was not meant to be. I, uh, I just, I kept on looking and looking for the diet, um, and I kept thinking, "If only I could lose this weight, my life." would be perfect. And I believed it. I really, really believed it. And uh, it never, it never happened. You know, it never happened. Um, so where I, when I was growing up, uh, it was not a safe place to grow up in. My house was not a safe place. And during my childhood, I basically was betrayed by every adult that I knew that I put any faith in. And um, honestly, I'll tell you, if it wasn't for the food, I think I would have died of loneliness, really. In that way, during my childhood, my early childhood, the food really helped me. And um, you know what, it helped me until it stopped helping me. And when it stopped helping me, I was like an addict that I continued to eat and didn't really want to, but I had no choice. I was powerless over what I was eating. And uh, if you heard uh, Holly uh, read the steps, the first step says we are powerless over food. And I was, I was very powerless. Um, And what that meant to me is, even though I didn't want to eat something, I had no choice. The uh, choice was gone from me. Uh, So um, let's see. Oh, after college, I was living in New York and my cousin was a pharmaceutical supplier. (laughs) So I had little uh, candy dishes, of diet pills around my apartment. And um, I got really uh, addicted to those. And then I needed to have sleeping pills to go to sleep. And it was all about controlling what I ate because again, I thought if I could just lose the weight, life would be so great. Um, I got married in my twenties and, and I got divorced in my twenties. And when that time of separation was happening uh, I lost weight for the first time in my life just by you know being miserable and A couple of weeks later, my appetite came back and I thought, I I can't do this. I can't eat anymore because I like, I like that my clothes are big on me. So I decided that anytime I ate, I was going to throw it up. That was my, that was my solution to my overeating problem. And, and so I did that and I continued to do that for about uh, seven years and, um, you know, uh, I became a prisoner of my home, of my apartment. I couldn't go out because I, I had to get rid of my food. You know what? I definitely was a failed bulimic because I still did not get it. So um, I had heard about Overeaters Anonymous. And I had a friend, a really good friend, Gary. And um, he came to OA. He lost a hundred pounds and he never gained it back. Um, unfortunately, he died many years ago, but you know what? He was abstinent when he died. And um, so, you know, we had lunch together and this this drove me crazy. He was eating a roll with butter in front of me. I would never eat anything like that in front of people. You know, I, uh, I'm one of those, I ate like a bird. I don't know why I'm uh, not, Not losing weight. Um, So uh, I came, I visited. I'll say that. This is what happened. I visited for about five days. I went to five meetings in five days. And I hated the God thing. I hated it. Um, You know, to the first word of our Serenity Prayer. It tells us that, uh, you know, we, we uh, if we want what they have here, that um, we have to have a spiritual program. I wanted none of it. So I left. And um, I guess I just had more eating to do is really what it was. I was not ready to do anything that I heard of here. And then about three years later, I really... As we say, I got the gift of desperation, and I crawled in here on bloodied knees and um, basically said, "I'm willing to do anything that these people tell me to do, because I, I didn't even know what to eat anymore. And you know, my life was just really a mess. And it all, it revolved around food most of the time. And, uh, you know, when I was working, you had to work, but um, it was about the food. And I thought I was a crazy person. You know, I thought, I remember, <clears throat> excuse me, one night I was in my apartment, every appliance was on, was working, you know, cooking stuff, um, defrosting stuff, stuff in the oven. And I just was crying and I thought, what do normal people do? What do they do? I, I don't know. I had no idea. And, um, you know, I thought also, I thought, and what would I do with all that free time? If I wasn't obsessing about food, I honestly didn't know. I didn't know how to live life. So 10, thank you. So I came here and, um, uh, I was back desperate, that I basically did what anybody suggested that I do. And, um, you know, I went to meetings. I really kind of threw myself into the program. I bought, I got a big book, which the first time when I was visiting, I had a big book, but uh, all that God talk and everything kind of made me sick. I threw it out. So this time I just was willing to do what people were doing. And I'll tell you why. Because for the first time in my life, I saw people comfortable in their own skin. I'd never seen that before, unless there was food or drugs involved, honestly, including in my own home growing up. And I wanted that. That became more attractive to me than the food. Um, I didn't stop eating then, but I, uh, I listened to those people and the one thing that all these people had in common besides being compulsive over eaters is that um, they had a strong connection to a higher power. And I couldn't ignore that. And at, by that time, I kind of surrendered to it. You know, I wanted what they had, and they had regular sized bodies and, they felt okay about themselves i mean they weren't you know like uh skipping on clouds every day but they basically felt okay about themselves and kind of knew how to handle life which i did not know at all so i went on this journey to uh find a higher power my own and um so it kind of came in steps i first uh pretended i had a higher power i prayed in my ceiling And I would uh, dare God to burn a bush in my bedroom. I I don't know where that came from, but of course that didn't happen. But what happened is one day um, I heard a a voice. I was uh, reading some of the literature and I heard a voice and, um, and it was to me and there was nobody else in the room. And I thought, Oh, that's my higher power. That's amazing. I have a higher power now. I was very excited about it. And yet, also embarrassed by it, because I'm an atheist, you know, and what am I doing now with a higher power, but um, I was on my way, so um, I really had to get that God muscle going, you know, I really had to work it, because uh, I didn't know what to do with this higher power, Um, and so uh, what happened, so I kept I kept doing everything that people I had a sponsor by that time and did everything that she suggested I do. And then I was on the third step, which tells us that we turn our will and our lives over the care of a higher power. And, um, I didn't know how to do that. I I thought, you know, if they said dig a ditch, that would, that would give me some kind of concrete thing to do. So, um, A couple things happened uh, around, it was at the five month mark of me coming to meetings. Um, I saw a Peanuts cartoon. I know that's an outside uh, literature, but it was the only time in my life that I have ever read Peanuts before or after that, never. And yet here I'm reading Peanuts. And um, Lucy's on a swing and Charlie Brown is reading a book. And Charlie Brown says to her, you know, it says here, it takes 365 days for the earth to revolve around the sun. And she says, really? He says, yep. She says, are you sure about that right here? And she said, well, that's funny because I thought the world revolved around me. And it so struck me that I, I, um, I pictured one of those globes that I had in elementary school, you know, those really tin turquoise globes. And I just gave it. I gave it to my higher power. And I felt that um, there I was at step three. And a couple of days later, are you telling me something? No? Okay. Um, A couple of days later, I was walking with this guy, took a walk with this guy. I had worked with him and he was in AA and you know we were talking about the program and stuff. And he said to me, Susan, how long have you been going to OA? And I said, about five months. And he said, Why are you still fat? (laughs) Some people are horrified. But is that it? Okay. I have two more minutes? Three. I have three more minutes. Okay. Thanks. Um And uh, I had no answer for him. I had no answer. And we were done with the walk and I, I was walking home and it was a Sunday afternoon. And I thought, what are you doing? What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? You know, it's sort of like, if not now, when you have a higher power, you're going to meetings, you're doing all this stuff. Um, sometimes it just doesn't kind of get handed to you. You have to make a decision, you know, to do this. And so I got abstinent that afternoon. I did not, I did not have a last binge on my Sunday night. Um, I just got abstinent. And that was, um, last October, I celebrated 35 years of abstinence. Uh, I know I talked a lot about the food. I think that's why newcomers come here first. Um, but uh, I just wanted you to know that here I am 35 years later and I'm still here. Why would I still be here? You know, why, why am I hanging around this place for 35 years? Uh, this is where I got a life. This is where I got comfortable in my own skin. I, I am one of those people, you know, and it's not always, but, uh, but you know what? When it's not always, when things happen to me and I'm feeling badly, I get tools here that I learn how to live my life. And I have an incredible amount of support that helps me with this. I'm not a joiner, I, no clubs, I, nothing like that. And yet here, my friends in O.A., I talk to them about things that I never thought I never thought I would tell another human being. So, um, at the end of this talk, they want me to say, uh, how and why I stay abstinent today. So why I say abstinent is because, uh, absent, well, I heard this a long time ago, abstinence is, uh, feels better than food, food feels something. I just messed it up, but, Um, I forgot how it goes, but being abstinent is better than any food that I could ever want. Um, And now food really, it doesn't have a hold on me. And food is food. I get three meals a day, sometimes a snack in the afternoon. And um, food is food. I like food. Don't get me wrong. I like food a lot, but um, it doesn't have a hold on me. So I want to, oh, and how do I, uh, do I stay abstinent today? Okay. So I'm going to tell you this. Um, I have a sponsee who actually lives in London and she, is that it? Am I done? I'm done. Oh, yeah. I, I can't even tell you how I find a, how I uh, stay abstinent. Yeah. Go ahead but, and your thoughts. Susan. Oh, okay. Thanks. Thanks. Laura. So, um, one thing I had to do, the first thing I had to do was find a higher power. And mine is, I call mine God and it, it's genderless. There's no he, there's no her, there's nothing. It's God and it's this energy um, that I have around me and in me. My higher power, my God has to be bigger than my disease. It's got to be, otherwise I'm sunk. Otherwise, the food, food will win every time. Uh, my abstinence came from my higher power and I, you know, having a discussion about what is my abstinence going to be? I heard people talk about what they were going to do. And abstinence, by the way, is kind of refraining from alcoholic foods and behaviors. Uh, my abstinence is black and white. So I know what I am and I know when I'm not, um, it doesn't change. It has only changed uh, twice in this time to add some things that I got obsessed about during my absence time. Um, it was just taking up too much space in my head. Uh, I practiced the program as outlined in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, which um, I don't know how you get it these days, but I really encourage you to. And um, the last thing is that I realized is, when I was on a diet, I felt deprived all the time. I wanted to eat wasn't what wasn't on the diet. I just I just felt so sorry for myself. But yet here, when I don't eat those foods, those alcoholic foods, it's freedom for me. It's I'm so happy that I don't that I'm not powerless over the food. I am powerless, but I don't have to eat it. I'm not compelled to eat it. And um, and so that is probably the biggest difference between my relationship with food today. I am so happy not to eat those foods. I am so happy. I have been, you know, just really grateful about that. So I hope you heard something that you related to and um, keep coming back. Thanks.